If uh, you're a guest here this morning, um, first of all, thank you for being here. What you won't know is that we're uh, finishing up um, uh, really a five-week uh, effort to raise a whole bunch of money by the end of the year in order to purchase a building uh, over in the Northwest, uh, similar to this one in terms of, of size. Um, the, the Northwest con contingent of our church hasn't had a permanent facility since we began in 2007. They've been nomadic ever since. Um, and together, we purchased this building, and together we're trying to buy another one. And so today, we are um, maybe certainly making commitments, but it's almost like symbolic. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to really a moment together where we... Um, you know, put our, all of our hands in the circle and say, okay, God, uh, do it. So you should have a card. We're going to take a few minutes and just rest in this for a second. You, sh you should, some of you have made commitments online. Uh, and if you're watching from home and you've waited till this moment to make a commitment like others, um, there's a QR on your screen and you can go right to our giving page and download a, an electronic card so you can make a commitment at home. Many of you have brought your cards, and some of you got a card when you came in this morning. Um, you may all be ready to be finished. Some of you have already committed online. Thank you for that. Um, you may work really fast this morning. You know exactly what's on there. You may have it already done, like I said. Others are, have waited, particularly for this moment. Um, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody, I'd like everybody to have a physical card in front of them. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. You can get one. And I'd like everybody to put one into the basket when we... Uh, pass these around. Don't redo your number if you're already done. Just put a big X in that spot. <laughs> Say, already done. That X will mean, already did it. Uh, I just want you to put your name on it. Just sign your name. And we're going to put all of our hands in together. Um, at home, you'll be <laughs> clicking send. Um, so I'd really like to ask you to do that together with us. If you're not a part of this church and this isn't a part of God's call in your life, um, just be prayerful with us. This is, a, this is kind of a big moment in one sense. One way or the other, we're going to have uh, some direction uh, out of what has culminated today and where God wants us to go. And that's a big moment. <laughs> it, it, it may be the path we are on. It, it may be this path that includes this building. It may be a different path altogether. But today really is sort of this junction space. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Danae's going to play a little bit. Um, just take this time to be silent, to uh, hear from God, um, to reaffirm your faith, um, to imagine all that God might do in continuation of what we just watched. Um, take a moment to remember that his ways are higher than our ways, right? We have our plans, and God has his, his, his matter. Uh, take some time just to be grateful for this place and, and these people and, and your place in both of those. And just remember the blessings and the presence of God. Take a few minutes breathe, make your commitments. 
I'll come back up and we'll pass these baskets around and we'll all do it together and then we'll consecrate this moment. We'll pray. So take a few minutes. Where do I get a card from? I didn't bring mine. You got one? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to hand these to the, someone in the front here. Here you go. Um, just kind of pass it toward the back. You guys, maybe get that whole section right there. You go, Melissa. You can take this one. Get it going right there. Mike. Mike, here's another one. And then when they get to the back, Justin's just going to kind of grab them back there. You can just hold steady. He'll come around to you. Redeemer, thank you that you are infinitely, consistently, perfectly wise. You've said that whatever we give is acceptable if we give it eagerly. You've said that we should give according to what we have. Help us, God, at these offerings to be eager of heart. Keep us from comparison. It's an act of worship. And we worship you and we trust you. May your presence remain with us every hour of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We left Jesus alone in the desert. It wasn't very nice of us. That's what we did. In Matthew chapter 4, we're, looking, we're working through the book of Mark Matthew adds some color to this tempting of Jesus in the wilderness. So in Matthew chapter 4, here's what we read. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet he was. I bet he was. Now, what's true, though, is that there would have been a long stretch of time, if you know anything about fasting, that he would not have been hungry, actually. We get really, really hungry when we start fasting. I don't know if you've ever done it. It's, it's worth doing a few days at least. Most of us have probably not ever fasted for 40 days. But from what I understand from my reading, there's a, there's a whole couple weeks in the middle of there where you're actually not hungry after about you get through the actual hunger and the psychological hunger. And then like day 30 through 40, once your body has detoxed and begins to regenerate, it, it asks for food again. And at that point in time, if you don't feed it, then you are going to die. And this is where Jesus is. He's 40 days, and so now his body's going, you got to feed me now. This is Son of God, affirmed by God. This, we, we, if, you, if you read the context of the story, you'll find that God... Jesus showed up, John the Baptist pointed to him and said, this is the Messiah, this is the one we've waited, to, waited for for centuries millennia. Here he is. Jesus wades into the Jordan. John the Baptist baptizes him. And in the process of doing that, the heavens open, the spirit of God descends. The voice of God says, this is my son 
with whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist points to him, and then God points to him and says, yes, this is him. This is, the, this is my son. It is the son of God who is emaciated, cold, and hungry. And most of us have never been that hungry. However hungry that is, most of us have never been there. Some of you may be some earlier stage in your life. Most of us have not been beyond basic hunger pains. We do live on the edge of or in the midst of a lot of psychological hunger. I don't know if you're aware of that, but the, the society around us has understood how to get you to consume what they're selling, and that is to create a hunger. Good marketing creates a hunger and then solves it for you. We live with an onslaught of messages about hunger, and so we live not so much in a food hunger space, but in a psychological hunger space. We translate it oftentimes to food. It kind of feels the same. In some way or another, we get a sense of hunger, whether we're actually hungry or not, because most of us have actually never really actually ever been hungry. We think we're hungry. It's time to eat because we always eat at this time. It's psychological. It's psychological. Most of us have not been hungry going hungry. Jesus is actually on the verge of physical starvation here. If he doesn't eat food, he's going to die. And the tempter comes to him after 40 days. The tempter has not showed up for 39 days. He's been in the wilderness alone, starving and cold. And the tempter shows up for 40 days. Why? Why 40? Why not day one? Because evil has no power God's already won that battle. Evil has no power. Evil has only tricks and deception. So it preys on, evil preys on the weak. He was waiting, waiting for Jesus to be weakened, physically tired, hungry, lonely, and then says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. It's probably whispering. And it probably went more like this. Hey, listen. You're the son of God. And you're hungry. Just make some bread. Well, how could that possibly be wrong? You're starving. You're the son of God. Make some bread. Yeah, bread in particular. We don't, we don't travel with this kind of information either, this knowledge. It's been an indisputable part of human history for centuries, millennia. Bread, bread. In many cases, it created the structure for modern-day society. The fact that when we learned how to make bread as humans, it changed everything. It's been Crucial, key to human survival. Every, everywhere that there is bread production, preparation, and consumption, it's almost always accompanied by gestures and prayers and formulas and rituals of thanksgiving to some God somewhere that there is bread that keeps us from dying. 
It is arguably the single most enduring symbol for life. Even today, it still represents redemption from hunger. Bread is life. Evil, quite matter-of-factly, in this moment says, this is a bad situation, Jesus. This is a bad situation, and if you want to live, you are definitely going to need some bread. If you want to live, you're going to need some bread. There's, two, there's, there's a number of things going on here. I'm sure you can pick this out. First of all, evil is undermining the relationship between the Father and the Son. Can you see that? And he's doing it by pointing out the circumstances. Because there seems to be a disparity here. Hey, Jesus, you are allegedly the Son of God. The Son of God, the same God who made bread fall from the sky on a daily basis for Moses and the Israelites so that they would live. Yet you, the Son of God, allegedly, have nothing. You've been here 40 days and 40 nights. You're the Son of God. The Israelites were moderately committed to God at best. And they got bread every night. You got nothing. If you're, if you're the new Israel, which he was, why isn't God doing the same for you? Can you see how he is undermining the relationship with him and God? We've all been here. God, I, I, I said yes to you. I've tried to be obedient. I've read my Bible. I've said prayers. I have given uh, money. I've helped strangers. I've joined causes. I've been kind. I've been forgiving. I have never danced, smoked, or cussed. Why? Why, why, why on earth is this happening to me? Have you been there? Even worse. And that guy over there is is terrible person. And he is flourishing in life. Why, why these circumstances for me? Why won't you take these away? So devil's creating a cognitive dissonance here. It, it is, you're just imagine again, you're in a weakened state, right? You're, you're, put yourself as you are starving. You're about to starve to death. You're amazed if you have no, no strength. All your, your body, your whole body is saying, get some food. And the evil is slipping into that space going, you, don't, you know why you don't have any food? You don't have any food because you're not the son of God. You don't have any food because you're not that lovable. You are not measuring up. You clearly are not loved by God. You're unlovable by God. If you were lovable, you would have bread. You must not be 
who you think you are. You must not be as valuable as you think you are. You must not be as loved as you think you are. You you might not even be redeemed. One of the other things that evil is doing here is just trying to introduce doubt about who God is. Can you see that? Hey, you, God, you said you loved me. You said you'd protect me. You said you'd provide for me. And my circumstances do not support that. Where are you? Do you even exist? Are you, are you actually not powerful enough to change a few rocks into bread for the Son of God? You can't do that? You're too, are you too weak? Or are you just apathetic? Or do you just not even care? If you cared, of course you would do some simple thing and feed me. Haven't, haven't, you, haven't you said to God, Based on your circumstances, where are you? Why aren't you here? Why don't you love me? How could you let that happen? Evil, evil is always trying to undermine your relationship with God one way or the other. You're suffering here. You're suffering, that can't possibly be right. I, I'm suffering here. I'm suffering. That can't possibly be right. Evil is trying to get you to feel like you're not worth it to God. That's, that's an evil message. You are not worth it to God. Based on your circumstances, you can conclude you are not worth it. If you happen to travel with a high sense of self-esteem, you won't go there. You'll land at the other place. God clearly is not who he says he is. He's not strong enough. He doesn't care. You're going to just stand by. Let me get this right, God. You're going to stand by and let me die? You don't want me to live? You can't possibly want me to live like this. And this is the lie right here. This is it. If you don't eat, you won't live. If you don't eat bread, you won't live. That's the lie. If you don't eat, you won't live. That's the same lie that came to Adam and Eve in the garden. Eat this and you will not die, you'll live. Eat this and you'll live. If we eat, we will live. If we satiate our hunger, our hunger will lead us to life. And Jesus changes this paradigm altogether. It, it, it isn't a, if you eat, you won't live. Listen, he quotes Deuteronomy 8, and he covers it in the, in the, um, in the Gospels. He says this, 
Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We oftentimes read this, man does not live on bread, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But it's actually, man does not live on bread alone. Man does actually live on bread. But he doesn't live on bread alone. Bread, food, sustenance, is not what life is all about. It's not where life comes from. There is more to life than subsistence living. You're not a raccoon or a rat. Your whole life is about getting something to eat. That does not keep you alive in the fullest sense. Man does not live on bread alone. There is far more to life than feeding our physical and psychological appetites. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, life is what God says it is. Listen to the world around you and you will have everybody, in a sense, telling you what it is to live. This is what it is to live. That actually comes across this way. This is what will make you happy. This is what will make you feel filled and fulfilled. Eat this. Consume that. Take this in, get a hold of that, and you will live. Jesus says, no, not true. Life is not about bread alone. Life is about what God says it is. Life is a God-breathed existence. Life is beauty, interdependence, trust, forgiveness, redemption, truth, compassion, sacrificial love, the intangible, eternal, spiritual elements of our souls. Life is aligning with the image of God that is stamped upon us and following the spirit of God that lives within us. That is life. And evil rails against all of that, all of God's word, all that is God. Evil wants to convince you that the key to life is nothing more than physically staying alive and feeding the insatiable appetites and voids of our broken condition. Eat bread and you will live. Consume and you will live. Feed the appetites and it will be better. And Jesus says, no, no. Jesus says, no, life is not a one-dimensional basic existence. And if you would listen and trust God, Jesus says, you would see that it is so much more, right? The test here, the test, we've talked about this temptation in the wilderness is a test. The test reveals the truth and the truth is coming out of Jesus. The test here is about trusting God. It's about what life is, about what your life is what the purpose and the aim of life is. And when the hunger strikes, 
Whose definition of life will we trust? When the hunger strikes, not just the physical hunger, any hunger, when the hunger strikes, when the, when the compulsion to consume, when the sense of emptiness begins to drive you, who will you trust? This is the test. Evil is whispering in the son of God's ear. This cannot possibly be right. Turn these rocks into bread and you will live. Who will Jesus trust with his life? Will he trust in God's goodness? Will he trust in God's purposes? Does he trust that he can and will get him through or that he will have served the full purposes of his life if this is the end, right? That's a big one too. Your days are numbered. You and I are going to die at some point. At some point, the circumstances are going to get so bad, God's going to take you. At some point, it is going to be over. Do you trust him in those moments? If he doesn't trust God, if Jesus responds to this lie, what's he going to do? What will he do? Well, at the deepest sense, he will shift his loyalty. He will shift his dependence from God to himself. Right? That's what evil is tempting him to do. Don't trust God to provide for you. You must provide for yourself if you want to live. Okay, don't, don't, this is a little bit of a tangent. Don't buy into the hypothetical mirage of personal responsibility. Okay, you do have personal responsibility. It is within your power to exercise agency and to do the sorts of things that are responsible. We tend to go, well, you know, you can't really trust God in these ways. You just got to do because it would be irresponsible not to feed yourself and not to feed others. Here's the, I, I promise you this. I've been in this conversation. I have seen these situations dozens, hundreds, if not thousands of times. It has never, ever, ever been unclear to me and probably to you too, if you think about it, when you are not trusting God, but trusting yourself. It's just really not that hard. It's really this hypothetical mirage that says, well, there's no way to tell the difference. Like, yes, there is. It's clear. We have the spirit of God living within us. And you know, when you are taking an action and gripping yourself that you are not trusting God, it's a spiritual issue. You, you know it. You know it. We're always looking for these black and white rules. Well, how, think about this, right? So the, the, the big old wedding, the big wedding thing is going on, and they run out of wine. All they have left is water. And Jesus didn't say, well, I'm just going to, you know. He changed it. He did not change the rocks into bread because that would have not been trusting God. He changed the water into wine because it was his call to do it. How do you know the difference? You do. You actually do. It's not about rules. The Spirit of God drove him out into the wilderness and stayed with him. And angels ministered to him. God will teach you. He will show you. 
The objective of our lives is to trust God at every opportunity we are called to trust God. If we don't, we're taking it into our own hands. Let me wrap up with this. Learn to live with some hunger. Go a couple days without eating. This is one of the powerful things about fasting is when you fast, you actually become aware not only of your physical hunger, but of the psychological hungers that are upon us as well. It is a fascinating exercise. Live with a little bit of hunger. Allow your hunger to linger for extended periods of time as a way to test your trust and to demonstrate your trust in God. Take the posture that your circumstances don't mean what you instinctively think they mean about you and God. Don't forget that your circumstances might be and could arguably be uh, probable, if not always, orchestrated by God. Look at Job's life. And evil is taking everything away from Job. Job is starving on every level. And God permitted that. The Spirit of God drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And it's, it's as almost as if, if there's, a, there's an expectation or, a, or even a, a partnership going on here where God is contorting evil for his own purposes of testing his son. It's very weird to think about. The bottom line for us is you're probably better off presuming that the circumstances of God are orchestrated by God. The the circumstances of your life are orchestrated by God. At the very least, that he's in control of it. He's sovereign over it. Do not allow the circumstances of God to change the truth about you and about God and about your relationship. All right, so... Back to our, our moment. This is a big uh, trust moment. At least it has been for me. Um, I can't tell you how badly this week I wanted to dig into the numbers and see where we were going to end up. I tend to be a little Eeyore-ish in life. I'm a little melancholy. It'll never work. I'm not going to make it. And that may be true. We may end up with metaphorical rocks and not bread, or not enough bread. This would be a good time for the song, Give Me Your Bread. If you grew up in the 70s, that would make a little more sense. Give me your bread. At the end of the Northwest service here in about an hour or so, somebody's going to We're going to take your cards over there and someone's going to tally this whole thing up and at the end of that service, someone's going to hand me a piece of paper. It's going to have a number on it. Um, I I would like to invite you there. Like, if you got time, just come over to the rec center. It'll be like right about 1140. And if you're at home, home, um, you can tune back in. They don't do a live stream over there, but they're going to start a... You all know what a YouTube channel is, Right? Some of you are like, is that a direct TV channel that I need to know? It's a YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, type in Vista Community Church, hit return, click on the orange Vista, <laughs> not the blue Vista, <laughs> the orange Vista, 
the blue vista is in California. And I don't know what they're up to, but <laughs> click on the orange vista, and there'll be a space right there that will go live, and you can watch that moment where we talk about the number that comes up. It would seem as though that number will tell us if we have enough. We will be tempted to let that number dictate our sense of accomplish, accomplishment or God's interest in us, right? Those circumstances of that number will tempt us to look at ourselves poorly or look at God poorly. We might end up hungry, but just like we've learned, irrespective of our circumstances, irrespective of that result, our life our future, our provision, our place is securely in his hands. I am most anxious about today. I mean, anxious in a good way. I'm, I am the reason I'm anticipating this day is because it feels like we've been in like limbo. And I just want to get on God's path. I don't, I don't really care which one, what it is. I just want to be on God's path. I want to know and I want to, I want to go there with you. And I'm convinced and I know he has a path for us. Maybe, maybe bread will fall from the sky and then we'll be challenged not to get too attached to it and to just keep remembering that true life, true life is not about what we get. It's not about what we have. It's about every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Life is what he gives us. It is what he says. And it only comes from him. Do you have the package? All right, I'm going to take that over. I'm going to take that with me. Father, thank you. You give the gift of abundant and eternal life. You are a good father who gives us good gifts. Your generosity, it overflows to us. Everything we have is a gift from you, and we bring our offerings. We give it back to you from the abundance that you've given us. We thank you. We're grateful. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to um, say a word of blessing over you. God would grant you grace, and I'll be on my way. And then hopefully you'll join us again one way or the other. You can come or 1140 tune in, YouTube channel. May the strength of God sustain you. May the power of God persevere you and preserve you. May the hands of God protect you and may the way of God direct you and may the love of God go with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thanks for being with us online. See you again.